Lester, the Nightfly. On the Pacific Radio Network. Also made available on PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. All Hit Radio. Lester the Nightfly? Lester the Nightfly. I'm Lester the Nightfly. Lester the Nightfly. I'm Lester the Nightfly. Hello, Baton Rouge. Won't you Hello and welcome to Lester the Nightfly. This is part three of three parts with Chris Oglesby, opera singer. We have a terrific conversation ahead that starts with the great song by Steely Dan, Deacon Blues. Gambling that's all in the past. 
This is Lester the Nightfly. You're listening to Chris Oglesby and PJ Ewing talk about music. I will just say, as you didn't know, my show is named after Donald Fagan's song, The Nightfly, from that record, The Nightfly. There is a documentary about Asia, the record that you chose, the song Deacon Blues, minute 25 in the documentary on YouTube. You can't miss it. Look up Asia, A-J-A, and you will find this unbelievable produced for television documentary at minute 25 they go for five minutes walter becker donald fagan in the studio with the tracks and they're sliding up pieces and sliding down pieces and they're describing what they did to build this song oh man 
Deacon Blues is about as close to autobiography as, as our tunes get. You know, we were both kids who grew up in the suburbs. Uh, we both felt, you know, fairly alienated. Like a lot of uh, uh, kids in the 50s, we were looking for some kind of alternative culture, some kind of uh, escape, really, from, from uh, where we found ourselves. And I think Deacon Blues is a nice kind of example of, of that. Make love to these the protagonist is not a musician. He just sort of imagines that that would be one of the um, mythic forms of loserdom to which he might aspire. And, um, you know, who's to say that he's not right? Nothing like that. There's a synthesizer pad on here somewhere. Yeah, this thing What the thing hell here. is that all about? Let's see. Go roll back a second, Roger. Oh, there, oh, there it is. <laughs> it's got <laughs> department store. That's what I'm thinking of. It's yeah. like that bing, bing here. Okay. It's like, you know, what's the big toy store on 59th Street? F.A.O. Schwartz. F.A.O. Schwartz. It's like, you know, they play that same song mm -hmm. over and over right. with those kinds of sounds in them. Yeah. Kids like it because it's, it's like such a primary, Christmassy. It's the equivalent of an audio equivalent of a primary color kind of thing, you know? It's kind of a pheromone for tots. Bring them in. And we put that in. Why did we put that in there? Because, you know why? To fatten I up the I think maybe horns? the flute, there was a flute part on the top and ah, muted trumpets that didn't cut. We wanted to cut So we wanted to put a little high end on to the... To brighten uh, and clarify. Right, so then, well, here's it is without the synthesizer. It goes like this. Or maybe we couldn't find a flute player or something. Okay, now let's play it again and I'll put this guy in here. of a flute simulation, really, wouldn't you Or, uh, it's marked here as a celeste. So maybe we were thinking of it for some reason as though it were like a uh, bells or something going along with that thing. Although it doesn't sound the least bit like a celeste. Chris, why did you pick this one for our collection? In the classic rock world, like, you know, 65 to 80, this is one of those albums that, like, really feels kind of like... Um, the Dark Side of the Moon. It just feels, it is an album. It is Asia. So like Stevie Ray Vaughan, Doobie Brothers, Almond Brothers, uh, Credence, Steely Dan. These are all things I grew up singing with my dad and, and we all rocked out to together. Steely Dan is one of those artists that just stays with you because every time you listen to it, it's different. They have such a strong anchoring in jazz. <laughs> you can't sit down and play it around the campfire because you just, you know, flat, flat nine, flat 11 over different chords they're hard on your fingers especially you know after a few bears around a campfire so there's <laughs> there's a little level of entry that requires some respect here i love listening to steely dan through my lens and i love listening through it through the lens that i knew my dad had at the time and just seeing my dad passed of cancer uh in in 2012. that's when this became like a lot of wow. not just nostalgia but almost camaraderie with his spirit this is a group that checks all the boxes for the time they're in, but they check so many other boxes. They're so organic and such good musicians and they take risks all the time, but in the studio, they are so specific, so pedantically, tediously specific that once you see it side by side and you start to hear the things that they're hearing, it opens up an entire other world and you get to re-experience them as I mean, they're a completely different 
completely different when you know what you're listening to and what you're listening for. And when they have like these stories of the guys that come on and just play a couple different guitarists and then they like choose the one that they want, just the amount, the level, the high quality musicianship, they're like musical sommeliers at their time. They're splitting hairs. They are talking about, you know, this chord color versus this chord color and how it affects this over here. And if we take a breath here, and it's the level of specificity that we're expected to have in opera. And to see it done in a recreational sense of music, it is, it's, it's really powerful for me. And then uh, also <laughs> watching them do live stuff on like the PBS specials with my dad growing up to see how that is who they are as musicians. It is just, it's all inspiring well done bringing it to opera and that perfectionism because that's exactly right and you'll see this in the documentary everybody asia documentary youtube make sure i'll have it on the blog lesterthenightfly.com i'll have it there for you as well they would bring in a whole troop of musicians they'd spend half a day and then they'd throw them out they'd bring another <laughs> set of musicians yes. they'd record then they'd yes. throw them out and this went on for months it took them a year to record this record and so here's an analogy for you that's a little bit related to your, where you live because Alfred Hitchcock filmed mm, a lot yeah. in San Francisco. Alfred Hitchcock had a movie completely done in his brain, 100% frame by frame, all the way to the end before he started filming. It was done. The tiresome part was making the movie because it was done oh, in his man. brain. Yeah. The great filmmaker Alfred Hitchcock. Same exact thing as Walter Becker, Becker and Donald Fagan. They had this stuff absolutely in their head and then they had to go spend a year making it happen with human beings because it was already oh, done in their yes. heads. This is such a great example though because it's a meandering, incredibly familiar to everybody. One of their signature songs, although there oh, are yeah. so many, but this record yeah. that you chose was the one, the one that blew the doors off their entire careers. I mean, this was the single, the single record that that made them steely dan. Yeah, yeah. no, no. I mean, I grew up listening to Gaucho, and, uh, mm. and listening, yeah, and like record. there was listening to Gaucho growing up. Then there was like appreciating Asia as an adult and listening to Gaucho again. And I think that like this is the this is the where people can come in to steely dan. This is this is the entryway. Uh, can I carry that Alfred Hitchcock uh, idea a little further? Run with it, man. Have you seen Rope? I've seen all, every Alfred Hitchcock film. Yeah, it's one take. Uh, it's filmed that way. Yes. Is it not really one take? It, it was filmed in ten minute increments because they only had ten minutes of film. So you'll see every ten minutes. Oh, I see. I see. They go into a black back of a, a jacket. They go into a oh, thing. to the door leg. Yeah. So it is a stage play, sort of but they couldn't they didn't have film to just run it for an hour and 20 minutes i understand but, it, but, but keep I, going keep going but it's that idea of specificity knowing exactly what you want and then not being able to take a breath for 10 minutes and that is these musicians in live performance it is it is all the stakes for longer than is comfortable so we come to the greatest moment of your playlist what's next this is the greatest moment the one that killed me, and I listened to it over and over and over again. Familiarity, the Punch Brothers from 2015. Oh my gosh. Oh Phosphorescent Blues is oh. the record. And I kept hit and repeat. And I'm like, what is Do it? Do you know Punch Brothers? Did you know? I've them? never heard of this in my life. How, how, but here's the thing. But <laughs> oh, Crystal, do you mind if I talk for just a second? I'm, <laughs> I'm, um, so, I'm, I'm so, so kidding you. So Chris Thiele yes. is in here. Oh, yeah. Chris was nine. I heard him on A Prairie Home Companion. Yes. I sent a note to his mother. I left a voice message. She responded 
and I sent them 10 bucks and they sent me a cassette tape of little Chris with his buddy, mandolin and, and, and fiddle, I think it was. And I have that cassette somewhere. So uh, this is before, I mean, Chris Lee is obviously one of the great mandolin gifted musicians. I had no idea he was in this band doing this kind of work. I didn't understand that this was going on meanwhile that I had oh completely God. missed. This is an opera. This took me places. I, I mean, I haven't heard a song like this. I don't know when. Queen. Oh, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know yeah. when I've heard anything like this, this thing. It's on again. You hate it, but you know it then. You know it, and so do your friends. And you can sing together when. It's on, pretend you love it because you love them. As you explode out of your phones, amen To make some music of your own, amen Or you can hate it softly to yourself, alone
Someone to think for me 
Okay, so Chris Thiele, let's talk about him. His first big thing was Nickel Creek with uh, Sean Watkins and his sister Sarah Watkins. Uh, incredible band. Uh, they've been broken up now for a couple of years. They came back over the pandemic and did a concert together. They're thinking about maybe doing another album. Anyway, Nickel Creek was how we found out about Chris Thiele. And I will say this about Chris Thiele. He is the greatest mandolin player of all time, full stop. He is one of the greatest music musicians, I think, of all time, full stop. Like in my head, he is alongside Pablo Casals, Yo-Yo Ma, Paganini, like a virtuoso's virtuoso. You have got to see him live. I'm going to make a point of that. That's what, wow. Keep going. Keep going. So Knuckle Creek is not touring, but Chris Dele is now in two other groups that are touring. One is Goat Rodeo, which he does with, do you know Go -Go Goat Rodeo? No. Okay. So he's with Yo-Yo Ma. Stuart Duncan, Ephio Donovan, and Edgar Meyer. They play impossibly hard music that is classical bluegrass, basically. Um, oh my God, what a concept, classical bluegrass. It was awesome because the audience was a bunch of symphony people, a lot of 70-year-olds <laughs> who went because Yo-Yo Ma was there and they're like, what, what are we seeing? This? Honey, are we in the right place? <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of other cats that were bluegrass and they're like, what is this like, like tonal? What is this tonal? Oh man. It was great for us being and having a foot on land in each camp. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And hearing the audience talk, it was such a great third party. Wow. This is the other Punch Brothers. So he made Punch Brothers after Nickel Creek, before Goat Rodeo. Familiarity, this album uh, in particular, uh, Phosphorescent, Phosphorescent Blues, Blues, right? Yeah. Is, is the album that got me into Punch Brothers. Hmm. Uh, this one, Julep is the one that people probably know from it, but Familiarity it is a standalone like like how you said it. i mean it is an opera it's 10 minutes of highs and lows sparse dense oh boy it is it is everything they do a, a christmas special chris Thiele and uh if donovan they have a couple of the guests and they have like uh, it's called wassel hmm. oh, and you just stream it in your home they play like um christmas songs and other stuff sleep my child and peace attend thee all through the night guardian angels god will lend thee all through the night soft the drowsy eyes are creeping hill and fell in slumber sleeping I my loving virtue keeping all through the night love to thee my thoughts are turning all through the night all for thee my heart is young such a great preserver of of these folk tunes 
He does a lot of research, does a lot of, I mean, he is, he is an ethnomusicologist also in his own right. Um, and to hear him speak about music is incredible. To hear him play and to hear him kind of like a jazz musician, it is, <laughs> follow him on Instagram. He posts clips of himself practicing and what he is missing and getting mad at himself about is insane. <laughs> and to see how he recovers from these things, I mean, it is, it is an education in and of itself, and it's applicable for every musician who is trying to deal with near perfectionism and how to manage a blue note, you know, how to repeat a mistake so it becomes part of what you're doing. Um, I, I can't say enough about what an incredible musician he is. There are two other things that caught my eye. There's a Claude Debussy yeah. and Alexander Scriabin piece on this this record that really interested oh, me. I've been very interested in yes. Debussy lately. Did a show on him recently. Yeah, so they do, they do a, a Debussy passe-pied. Yes. And it's it's something that, you know, a lot of people will learn on piano growing up, or you can hear it in different um, different orchestrations. But hearing it in bluegrass and hearing, like this is like when people do this, this is a kind of where, where it started Goat Rodeo. Like we can do these incredibly complicated classical pieces with these folk instruments because we're all musicians. And I, I love, the veil cutting between um, snobbery that this band really lends itself to. that in opera somewhere and i know people try and do different interpretations but and i i we've referenced uh Akhenaten, which is a very modern yeah. opera however there opera is missing that thing to my knowledge maybe you know of it where there's that that use of opera in a modern sense what they're doing with uh non-traditional instruments and they're applying that to classical music to traditional you know uh serious music it's very doable and it's got an audience I, yeah. I don't know where opera can find that that audience that translation of Puccini Debussy uh, go down the list Wagner and end up with you know a modern take a, a today yeah. take on opera I don't know what that really means but I think there are a lot of possibilities and a lot of things that have been started but I think with opera 
it's the lack of funding because the funding comes from people who have accumulated enough wealth and what they want to fund is the things they grew up with. So yeah. there is this, I mean, there really is like a 70 year uh, lag in operatic tastes. Huh. Say, say more about that. What do you mean 70 year lag? Because the, the board of directors, right? Are people that are oh, I see. funding things. I and see. so things get green lighted. It's really hard to get yeah. at top level companies where the talent is enough that really makes that makes it work it's hard to get um things that aren't tried and true it's hard to get uh even like Antony and cleopatra like yes this is a new opera but it's a composer whom people know yeah so to get it's hard to invest with someone that you don't well know. you know but yet, yet the uh terence blanchard uh piece was a huge hit and it this was, year yeah. they're doing uh champion and yeah. that was at SF Jazz, by the way. SF Jazz people were so kind to me. They shared. I reached out. Hey, I'm a little radio guy. And, you know, I'd love to. I'm interested in Terrence Blanchard and, and Fire Shut Up in My Bones. And he did this opera. You guys produced it. Spent a lot of money. They have a DVD. Mm. And some young, nice person at SF Jazz said, here you go, PJ. Don't share it. Here, take a. And I got a copy. And I've watched Champion. Oh, now wow. the Met fresh yeah. off their success from last year they're doing the original the first terence blanchard jazz opera starting this fall That's uh awesome. so so i i admire i it, the costs are astronomical for the met it's yeah. the big house but they're they're trying and they're doing and i and that's what for me i do love some of the big the biggies in the classics i do i do but my head is in the new uh, the new the today opera whatever that there, means i think the pandemic is going to allow for this to happen. Um, a lot of megaliths shuttered their doors. A lot of agents and artists left the industry because there was no work. And now the work that is coming back, we have like um, the most famous artists in the world performing at B and C level houses because they need work. So because of that, there is a huge influx of great talent at regional houses. And now is a really good time to go to local companies that A, are affordable, B, have people you probably know, and C, are able to take risks because they have, they can do, you know, in a, in a summer season with three things, they can do two things they know will sell and they can do something that they just take a full risk with. So it's an exciting time for regional houses to premiere a lot of works. And hopefully once those works get done a couple of times, they'll get upcycled into these big houses. Well, I think that's happening. I mean, Champion SF Jazz, Champion was going to be done in Detroit, which is my parents are very involved in the Detroit Grand Opera, and they couldn't oh, cool. because of the the uh, pandemic. And now it's skipped yeah. Detroit. Now it's going right to, to the Met um, because the Met's, you know, voracious for something sexy and cool and jazz and that, that found an audience. Akhenaten, I keep saying like uh, ad nausea, but it found a very sexy audience i was there yeah. opening night i've never seen more beautiful men and women in drag and in whatever state of oh, yeah. fabulousness seeing an opera all wrapped with attention all very moneyed very elite it was awesome and, and you're like well that's possible at the met it is possible. and it may not be possible at the marriage of figaro most nights but it's really possible it's something fresh brand new hot kind of thing maybe it is possible at the marriage on an opening night um but that leads us right to the opera Tosca. Oh boy, Cavaradossi, that poor sod. He's oh. going to get axed at the end. We know it's going to happen. 
but he's it's such a beautiful aria chris you set this up and then we'll listen to this <laughs> this aria how about that okay sure so here we find Cavaradossi, top of act three which uh all of fuccini's last acts take place at dawn i did not know that okay yep so we are we are at dawn we are in a prison and um Cavaradossi has just bargained with the jailer uh he's given his last uh thing of value to have a pen and paper to write tosca and uh he is basically saying bye to her because he doesn't he's not going to see her again before he's at the uh in a firing line the next in a few hours so he is remembering the first time he saw her and when you have this moment of like his bliss and his youth and his love in the context of he doesn't know but in the context of death before this scene and death right after the scene it is achingly beautiful this is an aria that for tenors <clears throat> it doesn't go super high but it is so so hard to sing when you are trying to be intimate because you are a hair's breadth away from crying yourself the whole time. And I love this track. I love Franco Corelli singing it because Franco Corelli, for those that don't know, is a huge voice. Uh, he is, he's a dramatic tenor. It's these huge, huge instruments. And you will hear in this recording him doing the impossible, him going to whisper soft, him taking his Mack truck through the eye of a needle. And you have heard him in the opera up to this point screaming and now you'll hear him do something so tender and it is electrifying
she entered into the garden fragrant. He, he touched her arms and then you just, you get this visceral action of the first time he was close enough to her to smell her and touch her. And it's the first time they made love basically. Ah, it's really beautiful. And it's so tragic because we do know what's coming and it ain't, it ain't right. good. And yeah. it is uh, w- one of the most recorded arias of all time, full stop. So th- that was a great singer, one of the greats, Franco Corelli from 1967. So that's, uh, yeah. man, that's going back. Beautiful, beautiful work. Thanks for, for that one. I'm glad we got some opera in it. If it's you're an opera singer, for God's sake. I, I, had, to, I had to do yeah. one. Thank you. One. I'm glad. Uh, one of my, and we're almost done, but one of my thoughts behind the scenes is with these shows, is really talk about opera as it's just another form of music. It's not the mm. opera, da, 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 it's a scary, do I have to wear a tuxedo? It's not the opera, it's oh, a form yes. of music where they sing and there's music and relax and it's beautiful and yes, you can listen to that and then you can listen to Vampire Weekend right afterward and it's okay. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> yes. We're going to end on a, a, a beautiful note. I also, uh, I thought of, I put Vampire Weekend into a corner um, and it was I loved what they were. They're a bunch of Columbia students. They have this little yep. opportunity. They record some clever stuff. They were like indie indie and everyone loved them and I love them. Yeah. And then I moved on.
did you choose Obvious Bicycle from a relatively recent Vampire Weekend record? Yeah, so similar to you and with Sufjan, I listened to the first two albums and then thought I understood Vampire Weekend, pigeonholed them, went to other artists. This album came out um, when I was still very much Christian and it made me have questions that I wasn't prepared to answer. So I put it away, didn't think about them. In the past five years, I've been playing this album more than the first two albums. And then the most recent album, Father of the Bride, came out and we went and saw them in Salt Lake City. Once again, they are note perfect in their performance. And it is just, it's incredible to see them work. And they are fantastic. And once again, they had an experience kind of like Cobwebs from Animal Collective when they did uh, uh, Jerusalem, New York, Berlin, where they really the sonic envelope i was not prepared for like that i felt the bass before i heard it it was it was stunning but i chose this song because it is the first song from what i think is their first album i think the first two um they're self-titled and then contra it really is they're like mixtapes to me and i love them all and um my side gig for as long as i can remember it has been manual labor i do like uh home construction landscaping whatever and this is, this is, these are albums that I can just put on, not think about. They have, you know, the BPM is in a range that I keep working and it's po- generally positive. First two albums, the third album walks away from that. And so I really couldn't listen to it. So I had to slow down, listen to the whole thing. And it's the first album that tells a story and it shows struggle. It shows doubt. Again, you leave with more questions than answers, but I think that it is beautiful. And I chose the first song because I think it's a great introduction for the album. And it also is a much more mature sound. The difference between the first two albums is very slight, but the difference between the first two and this third is it's 10 years of maturity. You feel like they've mastered a craft that they've always been good at. Mm. And you go on this cycle and it doesn't end with punctuation. It ends with like Hudson Bay. And then you get uh, young lion kind of as a, something to make it a little more palatable to walk away so you don't walk away with drowning but it is an unfinished question even and uh i think it is it is beautiful their most recent album father the bride is fantastic but once again i think that it kind of goes back to a little bit of mixtaping but it's they are trying so many different things in their newest album um things outside of their uh, kind of niche and i i think listen to this album and then listen to father of the bride and then watch them do some of this stuff live. And I think that you will let them come out of their corner. So this is uh, this album album. It sounds like it's the one full story. Modern Vampires of the City. By Vampire Weekend. The song is called Obvious Bicycle. Morning's come, you watch the red sunrise. The LED still flickers in your eyes. All you are to spare face the razor. Because no one's gonna spare time for you No one's gonna watch you as you go From a house you didn't build and can't control Oh, you ought to spare your face the razor Because no one's gonna spare the time for you You are to spare the world you labor It's been 20 years and no one's told the truth 
Chris, let's do the very important, uh, and I will include all this information on the blog, uh, blogs, plural. How do we follow you? How do we stay in touch? How do we reach you? What do we do to track your career and your stuff? Cool. So I am on Facebook and Instagram as Oglesby Tenor at O-G-L-E-S-B-Y-T-E-N-O-R. I also have a website, ChristopherOglesby.com. And um, so I'll post uh, engagements as they come up. There are some links for recordings and for pictures and whatever on my website. Feel free to go to that. Um, Facebook, I 
don't post a lot on most of the stuff I post on Facebook is, is me being tagged in production photos. So a lot of times people will post to Facebook, I get tagged and stuff. Uh, Instagram, I post infrequently, but um, I'm about to be posting a lot more as we head back into the season. And uh, yeah, um, I'm also looking forward to having some new recordings up soon. So I'll do a big uh, release of that in the next couple of months once that's ready. Good, good. Tag um, the Giulio Gari uh, group, uh, tag yes. Lester the Nightfly, make sure that, and hopefully we'll be in touch. I'm sure we will. Absolutely. Uh, so I can um, you know, celebrate that stuff with you. Thanks so much, PJ. Just really glad you were here to do this. I, I really, really love your musical brain. Truly. Oh, I understand where you're coming from. I don't know the music. That's the best part. <laughs> but I, I understand your, your deep interest and, and the, your ability to listen. Mm. And that is a, uh, it's more rare than you think. I think you think, oh, everyone loves music and they listen early. No, no, no. Not the way you listen. So it's really a joy to hear you, hear you talk about this stuff. Thanks so much, PJ. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome, man. This has been a PJ DJ production.